I yeah, I don't know, man. Just trying to be conscious of all of it. Yeah, same. You know, of course. There's no reason not to be. I don't want to be one of these dickheads that's just going to the beach with everybody Unbelievable else. Unbelievable this last <laughs> that weekend. The, with that the beach fills up here in Oregon. Everywhere else, are too. We re- are we recording? Yeah, I guess we're recording. Okay. Well, what's up, Bible Buds? <laughs> what is going on? The fucking beach this weekend in Oregon. Yeah, they shame. <laughs> they said it was busier than it is during the summertime. Yeah, and it's fun. I mean, I had that temptation to get the fuck out because it's so nice it's out. It's really dude, nice which is like out. Not, not a normal thing. We're still maintaining some of this sunshine here for sure. And I even thought about like, well, what what if I just like got a cabin in the woods just so I could get out of my house? I'll still like quarantine, you know, but like, I'm just gonna get a cabin in the woods. And then even then, I was like. I don't know. It seems wrong because what if I'm in rhododendron and I and I and I am a carrier of the virus and I don't know it yet, um, and something happens and I have to like go to a local store or gas station. Like the intent was to go. I would go out of town, but I would only go like from my house to the cabin. Would would only get stuff in Portland. And then I wouldn't interact with that community at all. I would just go to the cabin and then I would go straight home and I would have enough gas that I wouldn't have to like whatever. Right. But I was like, what if something goes wrong? And then what if I like spread it to this little community? Like that's the thing that people don't, I think people didn't consider going to the coast, which was made pretty clear. Um, It's like, yeah, the communities out there don't have the like infrastructure to deal with the whole community getting the virus. They would all have to come into like Portland, yeah. essentially. A lot of older folks too living like year um, round on the coast. A lot of older folks, yeah. And I mean, yeah. The other thing is too is what happens if you do start for some reason start showing extreme symptoms while you're in that location, right? And then you're in a position where you're maybe having to go to a smaller hospital using up their time sure. or like one of their beds and that, at that time. If you're not showing symptoms when at the time that you go, that's unlikely. But but what if this too? What if you go to that Airbnb, which other people will go to, and I'm sure that they're doing a decent job, you know, sanitizing, whatever. But let's say you go and then you get home and like as soon as you get home, you're sick. And you're like, oh, fuck. Well, I dropped the virus all over that fucking Airbnb. Now you got to contact them, make sure that they're like sanitizing the shit out of it. I don't know. The whole thing was just like, nah, it's not worth it. Like, I'll just stay home. It was just crazy to turn on the news and you just see the entire beach. It was filled up with people and they're like shoulder to shoulder hanging out. God these damn it. huge crowds. It's like, come on, man. Bunch of fucks. But, uh, but I, I don't know. I feel it too. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we're we're not that far into this thing, and uh, I'm feeling it. Yeah, crazy, know? right? We're like two weeks in, and a week into our like lockdown. Yeah, of, of Oregon is is now one of the states. Not even a week. We're a few days into we're a the few uh, days official into lockdown. Um, I went on that trip last week to California with Trent. Yeah, how'd for that him go? To do that that bone marrow transplant, and. It went really well, and um, it was just wild to go into the airport, dude, and this thing is just dead. There's no one in line at the TSA. There's like 15 TSA people just standing there bullshitting with each other at the Portland airport. Could you get 
a coffee or food or anything? Is anything um, open? Yeah, like the, uh, you know, all of the the little stores inside where you can buy water and like, like little candy. convenience stores, whatever. And uh, but no, like restaurants. Some of the f- the food stuff was open too, though. Okay. Yeah, that stuff was still open. And I don't know what the circumstances are now that it's on a stricter lockdown, but it seems anybody that's slinging food is is in good shape as long as it's a carryout situation, which I, I guess the airport probably has some different rules sure. upon that. But, yeah, dude, there was 14 people on our flight on the way there and on the way back, which was weird. Um, I suppose yeah, I could have so mi- I could have miscounted. Could have miscounted one of the times. Could have their own row with a row in between. With several person. rows yeah. in between. Like yeah. crazy. Also, the craziest shit though, dude, is even on a flight like that, as soon as the plane lands and stops, every motherfucker is like on their feet, ready to go out of that plane already. Just relax. There's fourteen of us. Yeah. It's going to take a minute for all of us to yeah. get off this plane. What are you doing? You don't need to come up why to you the hus- front. Why are you hustling up to the front? Oh, man. I can't stand it when people get up in the airplane. You know, people And they start walking forward, too, not even com- staying yeah. in their spot. People complain about the getting up, but as someone with very long legs, who's very uncomfortable on long flights in particular, I'm just like, yo, if I'm flying to like New York or Chicago or something, like... I'm not standing up because I'm in a hurry. I'm standing up because I'm uncomfortable as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And I need to stand up and give my fucking legs and back a break. Like, relax. I'm not... I appreciate that. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I appreciate you getting up and standing up, especially if you're in that aisle seat. I will, but it's the, I it's will the do it in the like, window seat. I will stand up and <laughs> bend over just because I need a fucking break. It's more the, the people that get up and then proceed to just rush forward right. like if like you that there's if not you like move a, past a your row where we where we're going row by row if you move past your row you are a fuck <laughs> and you deserve all 10 plagues which is <laughs> all what we're talking plagues, about today which we will get into but uh just uh a wild to walk around the streets of berkeley especially where we were we were pretty much on the berkeley campus is where our hotel was and there's just no one and i realize it's spring break as well is supposed to be happening but there's just no one in these streets dude like streets are just empty parking spots everywhere just some some stuff that you do not see in a city particularly in a place as dense of a population as california yeah you're just seeing open spots wherever you want to park you can park so yeah we just cruised around interesting and yeah i mean food spots were still open you could just go get food you just couldn't eat there. And it was all food. It was like little bakeries were still open. You know, we went and got some cookies yeah. in the spot, and they were still open. So, mm. I don't know. It's uh, It was it was an interesting adventure Sure. to just be, like, traveling around airports like and that. It, I mean, it might be the last time that you leave Oregon for a little fucking bit here. It could be, potentially, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't really have any trips planned. At this time, anyway. Right. But yeah, now I'm now just we're saying, on like, this, this lockdown thing. Yeah. The lockdown, who knows how long that's going to be. But the virus, I mean, summer might be canceled. Yeah, I'm hopeful that summer I'm isn't hope- canceled. I'm hopeful too. But I'm just saying, like, everyone should be bracing themselves for potentially not necessarily a lockdown for 
the rest of the year, but like intermittent social distancing distancing needing to happen still. So like there might be a month in the summer where it's like, yeah, we have three or four weeks where it's not like an official lockdown, but it's like, yo, you got to like, yeah, keep your distance still. Or yeah. it's starting to come back or whatever. I don't know. I'm probably filling my brain with too much, too much information uh, regarding this, but it's hard not to. You know, yeah. you want to stay informed. You don't want to freak yourself out. It's a balance, though, just yeah. like everything else. I mean, yeah. you, you can sit and watch the news all day and let it really fuck with you. And, and you know, you do. You should be informed. Yeah. You should know what's going on. I've I've tried to just stick with more of the official stuff, but sometimes that's hard, too. And you start following little rabbit holes where you find out, uh, maybe a woman our age in her late twenties, early thirties has completely different symptoms than anybody else, and it's well, a how about, whole different uh, animal. Died. And yeah, and and you know, younger yeah. younger people are starting to uh, young yeah, see younger fatality from this di- as well. Died, so, which is scary as fuck, and I think it makes it you know even more real. But I don't know, man. Yeah, just. I'm just trying not to go down those rabbit holes every day. There's only so much we can do, right? You you know what you can control, you know? Like, keep your distance, keep it, you know, to essential shit and stay home. And then uh, everything else is outside of your control. Yeah. It's not a whole lot you can, you can do. And, like, you know, the reality is, is most people are probably going to get it. But the majority of people don't have it very mild or get no symptoms at all. You know, the percentage of young people that are going to get it and die is super, super small. It's just like it's you basically just lose the worst fucking lottery game ever. If you were to get it and die, there's not really anything you can if you're young and healthy. It's not really anything you can do to like. Right. Affect that other than just taking these measures of trying not to get it and trying not to spread it or whatever. So. But uh, yeah, it could be like months, a couple more months of this stay home thing yeah right realistically could be mm-hmm. at least another few weeks mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's kind of it's it's not great to be feeling <laughs> the effects three days in. no no i mean yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to lean into it a little bit uh trying to be a little more mindful like i feel like i do a lot of bullshitting at home because i spend a lot of time out of the house normally so now I'm sort of shifting to like, well, my home is no longer a bullshitting zone. It's not, it's no longer a, a place where I just like eat food and lay on the couch and watch TV and, you know, whatever. Like it now needs to be a lot of other things. So I need to like, yeah, I've just been way more mindful this week in particular, knowing like I'm probably going to be stuck here for a while. I need to, yeah, like my home has to be my gym now. Yeah. Cause I got, I can't just stop physical activity. I mean, I've been doing walks around my neighborhood, but yeah, I need some, I need some strenuous physical activity. I think that helps a lot with the mental aspect as well. Yeah. It needs to be my gym. It needs to be my coffee shop. You know, it needs to be what other places that I'd like to go. If I, you know, if I wanted to go to a bar and read a book, like I need to find a way to just, Yeah. Under, like shift into all of those different modes within the same environment. Yeah. You got to make it your house on the hill. 
Andrew. I guess so. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel that, man. I think the first couple days, I was really leaning into the lazy thing and just sure. being like, hey, you know what? This is, I'm going to kind of try to take advantage of this pause. Yeah, of I just did not that. like doing this go, go, go thing. I feel like I was doing that last week and maybe even the week before. Yeah. Um, last week for sure. And then this week, I was like, you know what? I can't. Yeah, I did it for a couple days. I did that whole thing where you're just kind of eating all day and just sitting around. Crazy. Not doing a lot, you know, just smoking a lot of goddamn reefer and, uh, you know, just eating a lot of food. And then the last... Getting a cough and being like, is this it or am I just smoking (laughs) a lot of weed? (laughs) Is my throat sore? Yes, it is because you've been smoking weed all day again. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of... uh, after after that first few days though, I've I've made efforts to really like try to get some things done around here and try to be pretty active, doing yoga and stuff at home. Yoga's a good one to do at home. I've been threatening to do yoga for a very long time, and I I said, yeah, I, I just keep saying I'm gonna so do it's it. It's a threat to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I know. You better I'm get your yeah. act together, Daniel. Otherwise, we're gonna have to start <laughs> doing some yoga. Pretty much, man. Pretty much. So fast I, forward uh, four years, and you're like, "Well, nothing's together." So I guess we got to bust out the <laughs> yoga mat. Yeah, dude. I just dug into one of those free YouTube yeah, sessions just good. to see how it was. They're good. And I really, I fucking loved it. And uh, I ended up buying a mat the next day, and I've been trying to do that at least. You know, nothing long. It's like a thirty minute thing, yeah, but just fine. to like get in the groove of it, and it's just kind of nice to be doing something physically active. Because yeah. My apartment gym is closed. I don't really have a whole lot of room around here. I don't. My my old knees don't do great with running, sure. which is maybe like an excuse. But also, I don't. I just like it's not great. It's just like I'm not playing hockey, obviously. Right. I gotta. You can't just sit around all day in your house. Like it's uh, it's it's tiring in its own way. It's the the tiring on the soul. Yeah. A little bit too. The yoga thing is cool, though, just because I do, obviously, you know, part of the reason we're doing this podcast is just some uh, some spirituality desired. Sure. And there's a lot that is uh, tied to the yoga, if you, yeah. want, if you want it to be. It can yeah. be, I feel like, pretty much a, just a, a physical very physical exercise, exercise yeah. as well, and it's it's great in that way. But it's nice to be kind of accomplishing two things. Sure. If, if of really taking it, if you want to take it serious, you know, when the instructor mm-hmm. is like, "All right, you know, we're gonna get into this. Think about what you want to get out of this situation today. Like, why are you here?" And then, sure, you know. Well, I think too with yoga, part of the reason why, like, it it can be just physical, but part of the reason why it there is a guaranteed spiritual element is because. And I guess it depends on what kind of yoga you're doing. But if you're going to be doing like vinyasa yoga or something where you're like holding some poses, uh, the only way you get through that is by being present in your body and just like hyper awareness and detachment some at some, you know, in, in some sense where like you can just be uncomfortable for two minutes in this pose and just like breathe into it. Uh yeah, that's there's a spiritual it that's a spiritual practice. You're like you're practicing for the rest of your life so that you can have that same level of awareness and intent and just like being in your body and kind of feeling your way through. So, 
um yeah i think it's just beneficial in that sense because even if you're not thinking about it in that way you're you're still flexing and and working on that muscle right and really focusing in on it yeah yeah it's uh it's very cool i've been i've been digging it cool man um yeah other than that i've just been trying to make use of the time yeah which in yeah same it can be hard there's some it's sometimes it's like uh feels like a lot of pressure and then it's hard to if you're just stuck in your house it's hard to sort of like shake it up and no no get something going in terms of like trying to get shit done yeah um, it can be a challenge for sure yeah i think i've been also just trying to uh you know it's okay if i'm not being productive the whole day and and taking some time to enjoy the hanging out too sure because yeah i, I think don't know you just so it's always like it moving moving pretty fast so it's like even if i come into this room and and bang out some music for a couple hours of that day it feels like i didn't just binge watch something on netflix or right. something you know right so um did like a google or uh like a skype hang for my buddy alex's uh birthday the other day nice. it's like hey guys it's my birthday can we do this skype thing it's like all right we did that with six or seven people which kind of gets a little a little rough it's hard um but it was still fun it was just i don't know it's interesting just to see everybody locked away in their cave and whatnot yeah um yeah i did one of those yesterday too not a birthday thing but a zoom hang with like yeah at one point there was like seven or seven or eight people i don't know yeah it's just interesting everybody's kind of you know checking in seeing what's going on everybody's kind of in the same situation or most people are Mm -hmm. you know yeah a lot of people are sitting home all day right now it's yeah should be pretty much everyone at this point yeah i mean unless you you have to go to work for something right and i think there's a good amount of those people too that are that do have to go to work still yeah and uh it's just like yeah we're not doing this this quarantine vacation <laughs> right <laughs> that y'all are doing but it's also nice that i have something to do for at least five or six hours of my day sure and i'm not necessarily bound to the house yeah uh i uh, did i was on this zoom uh meeting with with friends the other day sort of like an open mic thing that david pollock put together and there was this couple that joined and they first off they both joined from their cell phones sitting next to each other which I was kind of like, that's not that weird. But then I realized, like, they're in the car. And I'm kind of like, okay. And then there's all this crazy feedback. So we're like, yo, you guys got to go to just one. You don't. Also, you're one of you is driving. Get off of the <laughs> meeting. What are you doing? I'm so confused right now. But, like, that couple was not contributing. They were basically just there to listen. Yeah. Because they're in the middle of something. They were driving somewhere. Right. <laughs> it turns out they're driving to the grocery store to do, like, an Instacart order. And they're just on this hang, which is fine, but they had their fucking mic on the whole goddamn <laughs> time. They're in the Fred Meyer walking around and like people are p- trying to like play songs for each other and stuff. And like they're just we just keep hearing like, no, not that shampoo. No, grab the other one. It's just like, <laughs> guys, fucking whatever. So like we kept like muting them and then they would like unmute themselves, whatever. But the best was uh, there was a moment like in between people sharing and and playing songs for each other or whatever there was a moment there was a bit of a lull 
where the girl with the phone had gone back to the car for we didn't know why she went back to the car and then she said um oh, i you know i came back to the car because i needed to charge my phone and then we hear the boyfriend come back and we just hear this like really stern what's the one thing i told you what's the one thing i told you and she's like to plug it into and he's like no to not plug it in <laughs> what there's, i swear to god there's like 10 other people on this fucking meeting and we just lost it but i was like was somebody pl- was somebody playing at that time no no that's what i'm saying it happened during the sort of moment where like everybody right. was listening everybody was listening to what was happening this dude has no idea everybody's just clued into the like keyed into this thing now yeah and i don't know what she did but that dude, I was like, yo, you talk to your girlfriend like that? <laughs> it was exactly like that. He was literally like, Ali, what's the one thing I told you? <laughs> it was exactly like that. And then she was like really sweet, just like, oh, like to to plug this in. No, to specifically to not to plug it in. It was just like, Jesus. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was funny. That's amazing, dude. But yeah, anyways, the the rest of my week was, you know, a lot of sitting at home too. Yeah. Trying to trying to figure trying to come out of the clouds a little bit in terms of like same thing as you where I was sort of just being a lazy ass. And now I'm like, I got like I mean, I'm still working. I gotta keep my body in shape. I gotta keep my mind in shape. Like I gotta do some shit other than just hang like hang around and watch Netflix and shit. Like I gotta yeah. get it together. So I've been really focusing on that this week and try to you know, use the weekends as a moment to kind of just relax and whatever, but try to take the week during the week pretty seriously, even though I'm at home. Yeah, for sure. I just know that when all of this is over, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be pissed at myself for not taking advantage of all the downtime. Sure. If I, if I just sit around and watch TV the whole time, I think I'm going to come out of it and be like, yo, you had a lot of time where things slowed down and you could have done all the shit that you always say you want to do yeah but i also think you got to be careful not to beat yourself up too much and this is really a message to myself more than anything but i'll, I'll let you listen in on it oh please do and that is like yeah you got to give yourself a little space to sort of just be like this is a pretty crazy situation yeah nothing has ever happened like this in our life absolutely i have moments where like i don't really I don't really feel anything at all towards it. And it doesn't seem like that, you know, I'm not scared. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal other than that, like, you know, it's disrupted things in my life, but I'm like, I'm okay. I'm just like grateful that I'm okay. And I still have a job and whatever. So like, we're cool. And then I have moments where, uh, yeah, it slides in a different direction and I start, you know, I'm starting to process it a little bit more and whatever. So, and the fact that like, I'm, you know, almost definitely going to know some people who die from this thing. And, um, yeah, it's just like a weird invisible war that we're fighting that's going to slowly start picking people off. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot to process. And I think, um, yeah, you can't be too hard on yourself if you come out of this thing not having done everything that you... Yeah. Because the circumstances are just so different. For sure. And we and they're going to be different coming out of it, too. Like, things are going to probably operate diff- differently coming out of this depending on how long it lasts. Sure. Like businesses will probably operate differently and think about, you know, all these businesses that are still making things happen during this time where people are just working from home. 
you know, I think a lot of those people are probably going to consider where they're putting their money as far as like huge office spaces and things like that. My my office literally had a meeting like last week where the CEO was just like, you know, we spend like $700,000 a year on this office space for fucking 65 people. Like, yeah, we can all just be doing this. Yeah. And you could have just still like a low key office that's meant for those times when you're actually needing yeah. to get together, like places just, to hold or just meetings rent, and things like that. Rent, or rent an event space. Absolutely. You can get a very nice one for $10,000 for six hours or the day or whatever. Something more than adequate. Yeah. So, so yeah. Things like that, you know? Yeah, things for moving sure. Things forward will be different. It'll be different. But I think that's also what I meant that I'm I'm trying not to... It doesn't need to be like this all-day affair where I'm only doing shit, right. you know? So even if I'm carving out that 30 minutes to do the yoga, I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, I, I did, did this something. thing, and it made me feel a lot better about the day. And... uh you yeah. successfully threatened yourself with yoga. Yeah, I threatened myself with yoga. I'm probably going to be I'm I'm very upset that I didn't start this years ago cuz it's going to make me such a better hockey player. It's going to be over when I get back out. So, oh, watch out Russians. Look out. <laughs> look out for that. Um but yeah, you thought uh you thought we'd jump into uh the 10 Egyptian plagues here yeah. as we are in the middle of this uh uncertain yeah. certain time. You thought that this would be inappropriate thing to maybe dive into <laughs> yeah, as far as like a shorter story figured why not um i feel like people most people know this story at least in its overarching uh form but just to give a, a little bit of background essentially this is what happens right before uh the pharaoh lets the israelites go from egypt so the egyptians have been enslaved or sorry the israelites have been enslaved in egypt for like 430 years and now Moses who is a who is a prophet uh is being told to by God to tell the pharaoh that he must let the Israelites go um and then God basically starts threatening shit when like tell pharaoh they will go unless this happens or unless this happens and so those are the plagues and so that's what we're going to talk about is the story of uh God dishing out what's going to happen next. Yeah. And the Pharaoh saying no a bunch of times. So God keeps sending more plagues. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and this is by far, in my opinion, the most metal thing we have read for this podcast so far. In uh, a, as a story. Agreed. And just like so many verses where you're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to fuck him up. Fuck him yeah. up, God. Yeah. <laughs> I. Really, I really enjoyed this. Good, a lot. <laughs> like, Good. I don't know. It just each of these stories, I feel like, paints a pretty vivid picture. Also, I was like really blasted on an edible while reading this, and oh, kind of crept up on me as it went on, and and I was just lasered into this thing for a while. But as metal as it is, and we will, we will see what you found. And that's in the literal sense. It's very metal. But we will see. I think it's a pretty crazy it's a pretty interesting mystical story for we'll, sure. We'll see what you found, but what I found was a whole lot of disappointment in the King James versions of some of these translations. I I swung on a couple of them and I didn't even like write them down or anything because it was so disappointing I have to one. see. Um so I'm sure we'll get into that, but Yeah, man. I have one. 
Um, cool. So yeah, basically the story is, uh, and and right out of the gate, I just have like a little note. The story is basically like God is telling Moses and and Aaron, who's like Moses's prophet or something. Yeah, his um, sidekick. His sidekick, telling them like, hey, basically here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna tell. I'm telling you right now to go to the Pharaoh to say, let my people go, and uh, he's gonna say no because I already hardened his heart. Yeah, which I was like, wait, that doesn't seem. And I looked into it to other tra- other translations to be like, maybe it's just like translated weird. It's like no, every translation says, um, like in verse three. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the Lord says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. So I, I mean, I guess like. God is God and knows what's going to happen. But also it's just like, yo, you, but you rigged the game. You hardened his heart. Didn't give him a chance. Like he knows he's going to harden his heart with these things that he's Maybe, going to yeah. do. It's a complicated sort of like, if God knows everything. Yeah. It's kind of a, com- but I also just thought it was funny that it was just like, God's just being like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Um, anyways, the story, uh, get kind of gets going. Um, where the one of the first things that happen is God is like Moses or Aaron or whoever like turn your staff into a snake, yeah, and he, and he does. He tells in front Aaron of Pharaoh to, to do it. That's right. And yeah, but then all these other Egyptian magicians yeah, also dude. do it, and I was like, "What? Yeah, dude, you're just acknowledging that like magic straight exists. up magic. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> I was like, all right, fuck yeah. Well, doesn't um I feel like the first time. It happens though. Uh, the Pharaoh tells them to also turn their staffs into snakes, so they don't, they don't like do it without his command. Oh no! Yeah, 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 time. for sure. That first time, I, th- I feel they, like they tell him like the Pharaoh keeps being yeah, basically being like, well, my magicians or whatever yeah. can do these these things as well. So they are clearly so tapped they, into. They drop theirs, too. but then Aaron's snake eats all of theirs yeah which is pretty that's pretty tough <laughs> that's pretty tough so good aaron's, dude. aaron's the shit because uh, moses and aaron are just like yeah Yo, you you have to stop fucking with these israelites and right. you have to let them go or this shit's just gonna get real twisted so the first plague after the snake incident comes and then basically what happens with the snake that's not even a plague um but yeah the pharaoh's just like not gonna happen i'm not letting anyone go and then the the plague of the blood, this sort of same thing keeps happening where it's like, you know, the Lord says to Moses, Pharaoh's not going to change his heart. Go to the Pharaoh uh, and like, you know, either tell him that this plague is happening or just do it. Uh, so in this case, it's like Pharaoh's not hasn't changed his mind. So just go turn the Nile River into blood. Yeah. He's like, meet him out at the Nile. And you're going to turn this thing into blood. God's a mom boss. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you take him to the river, and you fucking show him that that river's blood. <laughs> and then Moses tells the Pharaoh, he's like, hey, I'm just going to let you know right now. I'm going to turn the Nile into blood, and then all of the fish are going to die, and then it's going to smell a lot, and then no one's going to have any clean drinking water. And while yeah. I'm doing this... Um, Aaron's going to go ahead and he's going to, uh, do the same with all of the canals and any other reservoir of water. So it's just, uh, it's going to be a lot of blood 
Like chapter 7, verse 19, dude. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. Yeah. It's it's pretty metal. Yeah, for sure. So they yeah, they do it. Uh all the fish die, river smells so bad. The magicians do the same though. But I don't understand that cuz I'm like, what do you mean the magicians do the same? It's already they must turn other parts of water. Okay into blood i don't know yeah but it is interesting that there's this at least for these first few plagues like there are these there's this other group within the egyptians who's like doing matching it to some degree but do you feel planting like planting doubt in the pharaoh's mind of whether or not what he's seeing is legit because he's yeah. like well what the fuck you could just be doing you could just be yeah you could have gone to their like magic school whatever yeah, and learned this magic trick be these hippie magicians yeah so the pharaoh's not impressed do you feel like the uh, that the magicians are asked to do this every time to match the actions of Moses and Aaron? Because I feel like it's only clear in the first one where they're actually asked. Yeah, because uh, this one it just says after it happened, like, but the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. And he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just yeah. as the Lord had said. So, yeah, in this case, it's like the magicians are just sort of like, I don't know, maybe they're just sort of, again, I just think they are sort of a symbol for the Egyptian side of, like, casting doubt on, for, for the, sure, for the Pharaoh and the Egyptian side of being like, I mean, how do we know that what you're telling us is real? Right. Because keep in mind that the Israelites, even though Aaron has, like, Aaron and uh, Moses have, like, earned the favor of the Egyptians and, and the Pharaoh, their people are slaves. Right. So. So, uh, yeah, this just kind of. Then we get the plague of frogs. This just kind of keeps going just on. keeps going. The same thing, right? And again, so the frogs now are going to come out of the Nile and they like go all over everyone's house and like they're, they're just like, everywhere. The, they're in the Pharaoh's palace. Yeah. There's just frogs everywhere. Um, the Pharaoh sort of freaks out, I think, on this one and is like, please tell your god to take uh take the frogs away from me and i will let your people go to offer sacrifices to your lord right um and then yeah they do they do so they do so and the pharaoh uh basically just like takes back his promise uh do do the magicians do the frogs again as well yes they do they do right yep they do the frogs and then and then, and we then go to the, the plague of the gnats. So same thing. And yeah, Moses is like, "Fucking let my people go." Yeah. Pharaoh's like, "No." He's like, "Cool, we're doing these gnats now." And this is where I'm starting to get like a real itchy. I'm just like gnats everywhere because they're so small. So they're just yeah. gonna be like in your mouth. You're gonna be inhaling them. So it's awful. This is the one though. This is the time where the magicians are not able to produce the gnats. Yeah. So now, right. So now there is that seed of doubt for the first, uh, I guess, two. Yeah. And yeah, the magicians the are kind of like the first yeah. three, right? The snake, yeah. the blood, the frogs. And then, yeah, this time the magicians are like, they're kind of like, I think this is the finger of God. And the Pharaoh's like, nah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not. And well, because uh, in this one, too, the, what, what uh, Aaron said was going to happen, or what God said was going to happen, which then Moses and Aaron said to the Pharaoh, is like, we're going to turn all the dust into gnats. Yeah. So, yeah. 
it seems a it does seem almost like a deeper magic trick of just like you're yeah you're turning one thing into something that's like completely different you're not just like multiplying frogs or pulling them all like maybe all those frogs were already in the water you're pull, summoning them out or something with this like you're turning all the dust into gnats <laughs> which sounds like yeah it'd be pretty intense so yeah and the same thing happens pharaoh you know asked for forgiveness and you know asked for the lord to uh to take the gnats away yeah and he does and uh and then the the pharaoh tells him to fuck off again breaking That's the right. promise and then we get into the flies yeah lots dense swarms of flies i feel like this is when the lord starts to get a little pissed too though he's like all right yeah Pharaoh's we're gonna quit gonna... we're gonna quit fucking around soon yeah and uh i'm yeah, gonna really it's... start causing a ruckus for sure because yeah the flies is similar to the gnats it's just like a little worse they can bite and stuff so like they're really i think fucking shit up this is um, also though the first time where the Lord says with the flies that there's going to be this distinction though, and that only the Egyptians, only the Pharaoh and his officers and 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 the Egyptians, the Egyptians are the ones that are going to be swarmed with these flies, and his people, the Israelites, are going to uh, just be going about their day. And he right. he kind of lets them know at that point you're going to see how many followers of mine there are. You're right. gonna see this separation, and and that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. And the next one is yeah, like you said, God's starting to to kind of up the ante here. So the next one is is a plague on livestock, just saying like all your livestock are gonna die except for my people. All of their livestock will live, but all of yours are gonna die, and that's exactly what happens. And the plague of boils. Yeah, so now it's like a plague on the people. <laughs> So much so that it says, like, you know, the pharaohs, magicians, and council and stuff, like, could not stand before him. Right. Because they had so many boils on their body. Um, pretty intense shit. Let me see here. But then the hail. The plague of the hail is the next one. And that's when it gets, it gets real wild. When he threatens to send the worst hailstorm that Egypt has ever seen and ever will see. For sure. And he warns everybody to bring their livestock in, and any person outside will be struck by the hail and most likely, you know, be cr- just pretty much crushed by all this hail. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it happens, and the Pharaoh tells Moses, I've, uh, I have sinned, and to pray the storm away. Yeah, so this part I had sort of in my head, like some arrested development narration, <laughs> where like the verses, uh, so... Uh, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and says, This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you don't have to stay any longer. And then like the Arrested Development narration is just like, he wouldn't. Because, <laughs> yeah, of course he's, there's more plagues to come. He's not going to let him go. Yeah, it just keeps keeps on happening well in this one it keeps going to where uh doesn't or maybe that's in the next one i was like moses starts to sort of or the pharaoh starts to plea at one point um yeah try to strike a, a halfway deal yeah that happens like with the the locusts i believe 
right around this, this okay point, which is the next which is one the next one into chapter 10 and this is when um this is when the officials of the pharaoh also turn to him and say hey maybe we should just let these people go because egypt is ruined right there's no there's, there's no reason left. yeah just just let them go so they're kind of starting to turn on on the pharaoh in in kind of hanging tough and and the pharaoh says go ahead and and everybody can go back and then he asks but then he actually asks Moses and Aaron hey who's who's going and they're like everyone all of the men and women the sons the daughters the the livestock we're all going and then when the pharaoh finds out about that yeah, he's like no you guys like, are up to no good then no the men can go yeah that's what he tells them that's it and um so that happens and and this is the same so now the locusts come because the fair so yeah pharaoh tries to strike a deal yeah (laughs) moses is like it's all or nothing uh and then sends the locusts and the locusts are are gnarly and are gonna like eat everything everything all and yeah so now after the locusts pharaoh's really like okay i've sinned against your lord of god and against you, like, please forgive my sin once more. Please pray to your God. Take this deadly plague away from us. Um, and so the Lord does it and, like, redirects the locusts and all good. Um, but again, even then, the Pharaoh will not let the people go. Right. We get the plague of darkness. Yeah. Maybe my favorite plague. For sure. Um, and this is where I have my what the fuck king james is uh chapter 10 because he puts down three days of darkness on them chapter 10 verse 21 and the lord said unto moses stretch out thine hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of egypt even darkness which may be felt what the fuck king james (laughs) i was just like damn heavy Damn. Yeah. That level of darkness, like, oh man. You can't see shit. It's we're we're gonna put darkness in your soul. <laughs> That's what that says. It's like, yeah, we're, we're gonna darken everything else too, but like, I'm gonna darken your insides. You're all gonna be little goth kids. Feel so fucking <laughs> super emo about emo. everything. Yeah. Super emo. Everybody's super emo. And uh, yeah, so and no one can see shit except for the Israelites. Yeah, which I didn't really understood. No pun intended. Works, but the lights, <laughs> <laughs> the darkness. Uh, what do you mean you don't understand? He doesn't put any darkness over there. Yeah, but there aren't. I feel like they're like within. E- they're within Egypt. Yeah. So I'm just like, how do they? I guess they all got. You know what? But within, they all got headlamps. They get no darkness within. Yeah, that, and that's important. That's the important part because you can sit in the darkness. Yeah. But true. if you got the darkness within, yeah, while you're in the darkness, that hurts. That hurts. It's a double. It's a double he- that yeah, it's heavy. Um and then the Pharaoh says that it's okay for the women and the children to leave, but that that the herds and the livestock all need to to stay behind. And Moses doesn't even go let the Lord know. He at this point, he just lets the Pharaoh know. He's like, Fuck no. Everything goes. Like we're taking right. we're taking everything. We're taking it all, baby. Yeah. We're taking it all. Not a hoof is going to be left behind. 
And uh, yeah, because we well, need all this shit you know to worship funny, the though, Lord. Is that he's like, we need it all so that we can sacrifice it all to God. And I'm like, wait, yeah, I like, thought you wanted it for food. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's like, no, we have to figure out what we need to sacrifice for the Lord, and we don't know what we need yet, so we're taking it all. Yeah, <laughs> we okay. need we need all of these worship materials, and then the Pharaoh says no, and uh, he tells Moses if he ever sees him again, he's gonna give him the old dirt nap. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Fucking the KO special. Yeah. Yeah. Hard dirt nap for sure. That was another one of the, the things that I wanted to look up in the King James and when I did it was very disappointing. Kind of just the same thing. Yeah, or maybe even says it in a wording that's in, didn't even seem as harsh. Yeah, okay. But that was also like a pretty metal moment and you get pretty heavy with it. Yeah. And uh that leads into uh the plague on the firstborn. Yeah. Which sets one. off the Passover. Yeah. Yeah, and Passover is, is a big deal in the Jewish faith. And the way that this story is, is basically like um, God instructs Moses and Aaron to tell everyone, like, sacrifice an animal. Yeah, and prior to that, in, a, in chapter 11, when they get into the plague on the firstborn, um, the Lord just lets them know that He's killing all the firstborns of the Egyptians. Right. And their and their animals. Right. Not just the humans. Yeah. He's taking them all. Just as, yeah. Talk about like watching people get picked off. <coughs> Lord's about to come in and like coronavirus the fuck out of everybody in a single night. <laughs> <laughs> just boom. Murked, yeah. murked, 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 murked. And then he uh after he you know, lets them know that he's he's taking the firstborns. Then he lets Moses and Aaron know that everybody needs to yeah get these lambs. Yeah, sacrifice the lamb, put the blood around your door, and then like you'll your On house same will be night. your house will be spared. So then he will know to pass over those those houses. Yeah, and then there's also this whole thing about with Passover. There's like a few a few things that come up. Like one is is you eat the lamb. And you gnaw on the shank or whatever. Uh, and one is you eat, uh, like, bitter herbs. And then the other one is that you eat bread with no yeast. Yeah, man. And that all, f- as soon as I read that, I was like, well, that's clearly all very symbolic of, so it's pretty, feels, felt pretty on the nose. So I, th- I wanted to sit with it for a while. And I feel like I came up with some interesting things of what that, c- that could mean. There's some um, rants about the yeast. There are some rants about the yeast. You definitely see where some of the, you know, extremism can come in on some of the the orthodox um, Jewish stuff. Yeah, if you're taking it super, super literally. Because they're just like, if you even have yeast in your house during this 7 to 21 day period, you can go fuck yourself. So you're not even a part of, you're not a part of this at all. Yeah. And your house house sure as fuck not have have gentiles and non-believers in it and if it does and they want to be a part of this then they got to get circumcised yeah. and they got to also not fuck with the yeast circumcision is a big part of the the ending of which this. i wanted to do a little bit of research into that i meant to where i'm just like what is the de- where did this practice come from where did this practice come from of circumcision you know it's I've so it's it's i've heard that like it's something that they way way back when like did for medical reasons um uh, just because, know. like, with all that extra skin in such dirty conditions, it's hard to keep it clean. And so they just started cutting it off. 
if you'd like to voice any of your your knowledge but about it's this. just an interesting thing that like yeah that just i mean it's something that i feel like is so normalized now but like just straight up genital mutilation yeah yeah that we've just accepted it's like totally and it's still done today for people if you're jewish or not like whatever like your parents might be nothing they still had you circumcised perhaps i do like the part though that it's a uh, it doesn't matter if you're an israelite or you're an you know an alien someone that's come to be a believer mm-hmm. you're all on the same ground y'all got to have the circumcision <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter you know, right. if you if you commit to that part you can you can be god in the cuts club. god cuts all your dicks yeah it's just how it works <laughs> it's the price of entry but um, you got to also imagine that this is happening maybe for some of these other folks at later times in their life you know because this is that's something that just happens at birth now yeah that's what i'm saying you know? as an adult i think that would be a little Woo! rough to just like lose an inch one day to just go in on it i wish i had more information i feel like um part of part of doing this podcast with you will probably spark a lot of my interest in the uh in the jewish religion because mm-hmm. i i have some roots in that sure so i should be like the resident jew on this podcast but i'm not but i will tell you there's uh there's a painting over here coincidentally is the passover yeah so passover is a big the way the story ends right it's like the the bunch of people do this like all the israelites do this obviously and all a week-long celebration of of the lord no no no. but i'm saying in the story in their first story all of the all of they all Ah. of them do this they're all spared yeah God kills all of the firstborn Egyptians and Takes like the them. Pharaoh bloodbath. Pharaoh finally lets them go. It's just like after okay. all that. It's like all right, seriously, get the fuck out. The well, the Egyptians are kind of like, hey, yeah, please do get the fuck out. Yeah, let, the, let it's these everybody. people. They're sending them with like gold and silver. They're yeah. like, we'll pay you to go now. Please we'll give you the the silver, the gold, the uh, the dough, whatever you need to get the fuck on with this shit yeah and uh yeah man it's uh i have to say it's it's sort of sad in the story that like all of these egyptians sort of just get lumped in together and so many like innocent lives just get like torn down for this you know cause of freeing all these slaves which is like we're talking like a million plus people are are being freed from Egypt, but um, yeah, it's just like wow, what a like the Old Testament God is very um, is depicted in this very different way. And I think obviously part of that is like I don't think this is an actual story. I don't think this is like a th- historical thing that happened. Um, but yeah, for those who do think it's like a little more literal, um, what an angry God. Like, what an angry, but also, like, heroic, saving his people, right? But I'm like, what about all the people? They're just, are, aren't we all God's children? Like, it's a, just right. kind of an interesting, it's still very, very tribalistic, where God is, like, the God of only his people, though those who believe in him. And then everyone else, it's sort of like, well, you're not my concern because you're not part of the chosen tribe. But what about his Unless mention? What about yeah. his mention of aliens, though, being you know? Right, you like, can you can do some it. Of the, maybe some of the Egyptians that went along with the 
these Israelites Seems potentially like seeing friend. their struggle. I'm just saying it's a it's a very old story and it has a very old feel to it in that way in terms of like um Yeah, just thinking of other ancient religions. So Yeah, just a god that would do something that's like today under our moral standards everyone is just like raising their hand in the classroom being like, "Hi, yeah, I have a question. Um god just kills like a million children right (laughs) like that seems a little much i don't know (laughs) so yeah i don't know it's just an interesting thing i i i again i think it's just a story and i think that this is actually like one of the more symbolic stories that we've covered so far well it's interesting because there's one element of it is is uh i think trying to instill some fear of god sure and and that's even mentioned after one of the later uh plagues is brought about the pharaoh says something to moses and moses tells him you know i'm gonna go and do this and tell the lord to pray away this plague but i don't believe that you and your men fear god yet right and so i think there is that element to it of you know creating this story to to instill instill some fear of God, but yeah. I think that easily gets manipulated in you know for sure within religion, and and it becomes like a really unhealthy balance that people try to preach a, preach this fear. Well, it's of God a good it's people. a good tool if you're trying to get some power, right? Right. If you're trying to get some power within your whatever religious organization, you want to instill a healthy fear in the people. So that they'll listen to everything you say to to avoid that. Yeah. But I think, and the reason I'm sparking this joint right now, because this is when we're getting into the good part of the chat. Whoa, I, dude, I, you I smoke think, weed? <laughs> uh, I think that this whole thing is just like an allegory for inner conflict. Like the Pharaoh within you and the Moses within you. Um, nice. And you have this like part of you... That's just very like un undying to like the the old ways, you know, of your life to just clinging on to whatever and that doesn't want to answer the call, that doesn't want to listen to God, whatever. And that all of these symbols are basically just like or all the plagues are basically just symbols of like the things that happen when you fight your spiritual side. When you fight the side when you say no to the side that like is trying to look out for you and free the beautiful part of you, like when you fight against it, this is what starts to happen. And I think every single plague, you can look at it as like a very symbolic sort of like what happens to your consciousness or psyche as you start to fight this all the way up to the plague of the, of the taking of the first firstborn. That's very, yeah. I think that's that's very next level. I think that makes a lot of sense, though. Just you know, just fighting the good and evil. Yeah, and it's giving, a good and evil giving within. In, giving into that at certain times. Sure, and I mean everything is a we we have the, I don't know, we have it all within us. That's part of the like, you know, when Jesus is talking about like, you know, he doesn't specifically call it out, but all the stuff that is related to like the shadow and shadow work. This is sort of like a pre-version of that where it's talking about you fighting your shadow. It's you trying to like 
negotiate with your shadow, which is in this story, the f- your pharaoh. But in this case, too, like as you you were talking about, you know, Old Testament God in comparison to some of the New Testament stuff is that this <laughs> this God, this Lord does not give a fuck when this dude falls in line. <clears throat> like he just takes it all pretty much like takes it all from the pharaoh yeah but at that point the pharaoh it was it was i don't know yeah i don't know if i can account for that but anyways here's what i here's what i came up with and some of this is filled in by like some research and stuff um but yeah like the basically these 10 plagues are a symbol for like your own suffering in the world when you're rooted in this sort of pharaoh consciousness or like this side of you that just wants to like remain the same and not change and grow and whatever and so blood is um symbolizing like adding like like sort of like a new life to your because it's like blood being added to the old in terms of the nile so it's like sort of your first call from god of like some something happening getting like a some some kind of change that you just deny um and then like the frogs to me sort of represented like something that something that you're being given that like can go between the spiritual world worlds because it's like and the and the regular world because it can go in the water and can go in the land and then the gnats and the flies and the locusts and sort of like the livestock disease and the boils and the thunder and the hail and the darkness is all just like a progression of like you continuing continuing to reject like the deeper and deeper you go to denying i don't think necessarily denying god but denying that aspect of yourself that just wants to be real and authentic yeah the more you fight that like the gnarlier it like the darkness eventually comes and shit just takes over. And then I think the last one, the death of the firstborn son, is just like, that's just like the fucking, that's the end. That's when you hit your your rock bottom or your dead end or whatever the fuck. And it's just over. Um, I'm yeah. into it. I like yeah. it. It makes, it all, no, that all like clicks in. Um, I was also reading that, like in some some understandings of this is that some people think that some of these things actually happen by more natural occurrence. And that's where a lot of this came from. Like the locust thing could happen. I was also reading that, um, it's possible that some people may have put a bunch of clay in the Nile river. And when the clay spilled into the Nile River, it would have turned it red and, and killed the fish, obviously, and, and things of that nature would have happened. Yeah. So there was that going on, and then they were just talking about that there just might have been a series of, you know, some more natural disasters. Right. And, and stuff I think that this could have been. That's that's probably true. Egypt has a super in. long history. Egypt was around for thousands of years. It's almost... Uh, unthinkable that someone wouldn't have some point at some point put clay in the Nile River. Yeah, someone did that for the first time, and then was like, "Oh, 
shit. Yeah, we turns killed out all the fish. we can't put the clay in the Nile no River. No can it drink this water yeah. anymore. And then they were saying from that that for some reason that would have brought upon the frogs, and maybe there were a lot of frogs present in yeah in that escaping. area. But I think a lot of the rest of this, I mean, you could probably explain everything. The livestock one is like obviously a real thing that can happen. Pandemics happen. The boils is kind of boils is is a little bogus. Obviously, the staff turning a staff into a snake is a little bogus as well. Um, But that, but the but the plague, the you know the storm, the thunder and the hail, the darkness, uh, and even the darkness is like a real a real thing that could happen for you know several days for some natural reason. The not the whole earth, but your region of the earth could go dark. Right. Um, But the death of the firstborn is like. That's some that's some god shit. Right. That's some more mystical yeah. shit going on. So on that I think level. that like, you know, I think it's possible that a lot of these things could have happened somewhere or another, but I think, you know, someone probably just wrote a story based on like some things that they had heard and like put it into a story of things that maybe people at the time knew at one point or another was historically true, but they have they have a looser timeline so they just know sometime in the past like the river did run red and like all the livestock got killed that one time like people still talk about that remember when you know like i'm sure there was some sense of when was it but like feels like it would be a little recorded history was a little bit different right people didn't read people didn't like the general population it was a little bit different it was, a, it was largely oral history so i just think it, yeah Things are a little bit looser. I think someone just sort of compiled it into a neat story that was partly partly true, maybe, but was clearly trying to convey some deeper truth. Right. And another thing that I that I picked up on, um, which is like, it's a very obvious observation, but um, I just realized that obvious and observation start both start with ob that's how stoned i am right now (laughs) (laughs) i just had a little mini thought of like oh cool i never realized that before um anyways anyways i noticed like the 10 plagues and like also the 10 commandments i was like 10 and 10 i just did like a little bit of research on 10 and there's another 10 in the old testament which is the 10 things that god spoke into creation so it's not listed as like the 10 things but in the old in genesis there's 10 times that, you know, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be heavens. God said, let there be land. God said, let there be sea. God said, let it inhabit with this, whatever. He does it 10 times. Um, so there's some kind of like thing with 10 that like some storytelling literary component um, that's interesting that it's being like used similar to like the way that seven is used a lot and three is used a lot in the bible um yeah i was just i don't know it was an interesting stoned observation that i made um but i did a little bit of research on it and like some people say that the the tens uh like the first one is 10 the 10 things that god does to like create the world the next 10 is like the 10 things that god does to like destroy it um and then the Ten Commandments is, like, within what's left of the world, like, creating, uh, instead of creating something physical, creating some kind of, like, social moral code. Right. Um, which also, to me, sort of was, like, 
just like the three parts of life in terms of like you construct your life and your belief systems and your whatevers and like hopefully at some point you get the chance to deconstruct all of that yeah she gets torn down especially if you have deep belief systems in something you should yeah you should try to tear it down if it's still you know if you can't you can't and that's that's fine but if it does start to fall you should embrace that and just tear it all down and then create something new uh so anyways yeah i uh i dig that idea though of just like the pharaoh inside and and kind of just that whole battle with yourself of just set yourself free it's just like he's not speaking to his people just speaking to yourself of you know just lean into the the stuff that's true quit fucking with this other stuff all this the distractions and the noise right and just set yourself free from it yeah definitely with that it's interesting to think what what life was like for the people that these stories were being written for you know um like this is a teaching that almost feels uh on just like a sort of spiritual like moral level like pretty basic it's a lot you know it's it, at least that interp my shitty interpretation of it of in, in of like a this inner conflict like you know it feels like it's hard to extrapolate much more out of that and and it does seem to fit and it feels like uh yeah just like a sort of level one teaching in terms of um at, as is like sort of the ten commandments is like right. level one, like, hey, don't murder, don't steal from each other, like, quit, don't do this, quit flicking your brother's dick, Daryl. God damn it, why do you do that? Um, yeah, and then like by the time you get to the New Testament, and it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting having, like, going backwards from the New Testament, just the different feel of sort of what, like, what is being asked of people, because a lot of this stuff is already assumed like you know you've already learned this you already have this baseline you you know everyone fails and falls short of it whatever no one's perfect but like you know how to be like true to yourself you know yeah at least like to to the best of your ability that's something that's like instilled in our culture regardless of whether or not you're religious watch a fucking disney movie or a pixar movie or whatever like anything read a kid's book like some version of be true to yourself is sprinkled throughout our cultural moral code yeah. or spiritual code or whatever. That's like a really basic, you know, just like, you got to at least do that. Yeah, you know. Point? You know, and you can feel it. It, does, it has nothing to do with God. It's just like a like really standard, like, why? what else would you do? Right. But it's interesting that, like, it's just interesting to think of the people at the time who maybe lived in a world where they needed to hear that teaching because the world was so full of like crazy shit and violence and whatever the lure to just kind of like be like go into fear mode and just be like i'm just gonna fucking hoard all my shit and kill anyone who comes near me and like for sure and legitimate threats at that time would be to kill your firstborn you know that would (laughs) that wasn't Something people were right. playing about, you know, that was right. So, yeah, 
For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's an interesting time because people are obviously co-op, like, oh, the vast majority is overwhelmingly cooperative. Otherwise, you don't have a civilization at all. People right. have to, in mass, cooperate, obviously. So that message is like clearly received by a good number of people. But then, yeah, I think also in that time, you maybe had like a much larger percentage of the population that was sort of just like, fuck you, I'm a bandit. Like, <laughs> they didn't have, there weren't like creature comforts and shit back then, you know? And I just like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm purely just stone speculating right now. But I just wonder if the harshness of that life like if that environment to live in there was just so much some way shadier characters and a lot of reasons to to kind of fucking hustle in the world for sure like the only way to make it <clears throat> especially if you're living in like a city like in egypt i don't know i just don't know that it was necessarily like this super like peaceful utopia um i'm not saying that like our ancestors or that any part of the world or whatever is like lesser evolved or whatever. Cause this is obviously like the seat of civilization. I'm just saying like civilization was still relatively new. Still yeah. sort of figuring it out. Like you still had like, uh, Harabi's laws or like eye for an eye shit. Like that was a law at one right. point, you know, like things were a little bit less civilized than they are today. So I think that's also where that fear of God is really needed too, for some people. You know, that's like the important the, the, the importance of that. Yeah, we're is I mean to be like, hey, just don't do crazy shit. Or God will <laughs> God's coming for you. Yeah, if, if our generation had fear of God, then people wouldn't be so goddamn addicted to their fucking phones and whatever I don't know. Like what whatever our bullshit is of today, which would, I think a lot of it yeah. is like addiction and, and not connecting to the world and whatever. Not um, going to the goddamn beach when you're not supposed to. Yeah. Jesus. No fear of God in these spring right. breakers. No. Yeah, they had the fear of God. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. They did need and th- that was sort of my point was just like the times. This is a the story is thousands of years old and the times called for sort of a harsher message, a simpler truth delivered in like pretty harsh form. And the simple truth is sort of just like the hey, you need to win your own internal battle and God is on your side like so you go towards that side you know what is right and what is wrong yeah there's wars you cannot afford to lose yeah go towards what yeah do your best to go towards what is right that's pretty much all that's being asked of you and if you don't like you're pretty much you're doomed like it's gonna just uh slowly tear you down yeah it's never gonna feel right probably yeah yeah and i'm not talking about like little things i'm talking about like big I'm talking about like Ten Commandment stuff, essentially. I feel like this is like a, this is, I'm pretty sure is, well, I think the Ten Commandments are in Exodus. So this is, I believe, before the Ten Commandments. Like, I think the Ten Commandments come uh, after the story, after they go into the desert, right? Which is when they leave Egypt. And so I think that, yeah. And then you get the Ten Commandments of like, so the people, the people receive that teaching, but like, then they get what they're, more specifically what they should be leaning away from and it's like pretty basic yeah and they need those things pretty basic be- shit to just be like yeah it's crazy to think though that those 10 commandments that moral code i mean we 
100% abide by that today. Like, if you look at the U.S., you know, fucking constitution and the laws and whatever, like, most first world countries are pretty much pretty still, relevant. like, Ten Commandments are all in there <laughs> in some form or another. It's no long, It's not like a crime in America to commit adultery. Right. But it's a social sin for sure. Um, it's not a crime to be jealous of your of your neighbor or whatever but like it's a social sin for sure uh or at least it's a spiritual sin of some sort right like it's gonna it'll it'll uh you'll pay some price or another for doing that um but yeah a lot of the other basic ones are all like like it's just crazy that those are still part of our our system like what if what if we lived in a world where do not steal was never part of the moral code so like obviously we're like yeah you don't murder you don't fuck your friend's wife and you don't whatever like all these things like obviously but the stealing was sort of just like oh i mean if dan comes over and like he gets your laptop like you should have been looking after your laptop (laughs) like we're all allowed to just steal out here so i don't know try to steal it back just sort of a normal part of like right yeah we were all just kind of cool with it and it was like ah Dan got my laptop again. Shoot. <laughs> well, I don't know what if. Like, it's just crazy that these things are just these old, really old ideas are still very prevalent today yeah. in our lives in a very like explicit form. For sure. And yeah, not in outside of things that are laws, you know, people also need like there's that internal struggle with everything of leaning into what's true and what's not within like relationship stuff too for sure so yeah it is it is wild though that the fear of god was just such a a much needed tool at that time yeah and now it now it is used much differently for much different reasons usually for sure yeah so if i think of just a a couple more thoughts that I had on sort of like the symbolism and stuff. Like, so if this is sort of a story of your own kind of like, maybe it's a story sort of like a way of the inner conflict you have to have to like awaken to something new, you know? Um, Yeah. The sort of like be reborn concept. And then like you're, but then you're kind of pushed out into the desert and what you're pushed out into the desert with is uh, this like Passover food which was the matzah, right? And then there was, like, the lamb, the lamb shank or lamb something. Yeah. Something to do with, like, a lamb bone, right? It was, like, a, you, like, gnaw on the bone or something. Yeah, but don't break it. Yeah. So I couldn't quite figure that one out. And But then there's the bitter herbs. And so, like, to me, like, the matzah, because ma- the bread, it's it's bread without yeast, right? And to me, it sort of just, it just symbolizes, like, I don't know when sometimes when like you have these times where like you, you know, lean into God and God does sort of destroy your Pharaoh, your ego mind, your whatever. And then now you're out in the desert into often is something new. Like you don't have time to fully prepare. So you, you took what you could, but you forgot the yeast. So now you're just stuck with matzah. <laughs> That's what you get. And like the bitter herbs sort of just remind you of like, where you came from you know you taste those to to remember um and that's actually something that we sort of practice today 
not really but like there's a sort of equivalent i can think of which would be like drinking coffee or amaro or like a dessert liqueur after dinner like a lot of people say um and i guess this is kind of different but it's just food related but a lot of people say that that practice is sort of like I'm so, I know I'm it's so, so good. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. It's so but good. Some people say that that uh, some people say that that practice is like you you put something bitter in your mouth to sort of like remind yourself of how good the meal was that you just ate, and like to be just yeah to sort of like help help with the with some gratitude. Yeah, I think that's no, it's completely relevant, uh, and yeah, that bitterness is important to uh to have sometimes yeah yeah you know and always it's important to like even if you are sort of in the clear like you've escaped from your captivity as a slave to whatever um it still was sort of a part of you and you and you gotta like remember it in some way as a way to sort of like sweeten whatever current situation you have or, or keep you going on it for sure it's kind of the yeah, I think that can apply to the idea of just like not getting complacent or comfortable with things sometimes. Yeah. Of just uh just always know that when when shit gets smooth that it's going to get shaken up a bit with the bitterness. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then what is the uh the final piece of that? that symbol after the herbs is there anything after the herbs there's the, well there's the lamb but i didn't i couldn't is, really yeah couldn't really crack that one you got too lost in the herbs yeah no but i didn't have <laughs> in any the weeds just saying i didn't have any notes <laughs> on the lamb i got too caught up on the post like the uh the passover restrictions <laughs> Which was the whole circumcision thing, and that that shit was all just like blowing my mind. Yeah, I know it was kind of blowing mine too. What are you? I had some notes on Passover, maybe or I don't know, maybe I didn't. But it was interesting to kind of read this story, this really old story that leads to this like really ancient tradition of Passover. I mean, Passover is like a really old religious tradition. Yeah, I don't know uh, why I'm just making that connection now, but it's just like it's thousands well, dude, of years even, old. It's even for insane. myself, for some, I mean, someone that wasn't really raised around the Jewish religion, but you know, just always knowing about Passover in some way, I've never really looked in to see what the purpose of this thing is. So, yeah, to know that it's this old of a tradition and this significant is uh is pretty mind blowing to like really understand what they were trying to pass down to the future generations of like this is the night this is the fucking night that this dude spared us all yeah i know i would love to hear from yeah we should have called one uh a jew a jewish friend of mine just sure. like what was passover like like I feel like I could t- to a non-Christian, someone who, maybe someone from another country, you know, Southeast Asia or somewhere, where they're just like, "What is Christmas? Like, what the fuck is that?" Right. Like, I'm, I feel like I could explain it to them, sort of, just like on a higher level, high, higher level, whatever. And I would love to hear that, exp- like that explanation or something deeper, 
from someone who grew up with it and it was just like a normal part of their year. We'll get it. Ceremony. We'll get it. Maybe we can get Ryan to give it to us. I'll tell him to leave a voice memo. <laughs> Please tell us about your Passover, sir. Yeah, we can air it. <laughs> um, God, I hope we get that before we put this episode out. And we can put it in. Yeah? Yeah. That'd we be won't cool. be able to talk about it. insert it right now? Just insert it. Insert it right in there or to like end the episode? Yeah. Like this is the... Uh, yeah, this is what Passover was like. In the for meantime, me. we should we could speculate about what it was like. If we got a montage though of a few different people too, that'd be sick. <laughs> It'd be like a episode of This American Life to play yeah. out with, <laughs> dude. That would be tight. I, would I think we get a few people. Yeah, I would love to hear. We'll try. We don't know what's gonna happen because we're recording this now. I wonder. I wonder if it was like sort of, yeah, like sort of more ancient in the sense of like. Tonight we remember, like, the sufferings of our ancestors, right? Like, being enslaved for 500 years nearly in Egypt and the way that got the Lord freed them. And Depending on how deeply like, connected people are. Yeah, I'm just, like, are. curious, like, what the prayers are and, like, you know, or well, if because it is then, sort of a metaphysical just, like, tonight we, you know. Well, dude, I think the Passover has got to... You know, you have obviously this night, right, of the the night where it all happened. But I got to think a lot of it's thinking about all of the lives that were sacrificed through, the, like, the Holocaust has to be, like, pretty deeply tied to yeah, this. Because for sure. it's essentially, like, the same thing happens as all these people are enslaved, you know, and this, this pleading with this dude to set these all of these people that are in these concentration camps free and you know only so many of them make it out to tell the story so it's yeah i think i would think a lot of that is tied to those sure. people's especially because those those ancestors you know for some of them still alive or just like one generation behind where this is obviously many years ago right it is interesting that i I mean, yeah, the Jewish people have uh, suffered a ton for, like, millennia and been persecuted a ton for millennia. And uh, I don't know why this just hit me, and I'm, like, debating whether or not I want to even bring this up. But I'm just going to go. (laughs) I feel like that means I should just go (laughs) for it. But it's dicey territory, so we'll tread lightly. But, like, I have... I feel like I've seen jokes about this. I've seen serious stuff about this in terms of like, yeah, like a Jewish person kind of like um, attempting to sort of empathize with like an African-American and being like, oh, like my people were also enslaved and persecuted. And you're kind of like, well, yeah, 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 but like... I don't know. One of them is just was so much stronger and so recent. But then, I mean, the Holocaust obviously still, is still some relevant. It's the same. Super, it's super recent. It's, That's less than 100 years ago. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't compare the two experiences, I don't think, necessarily. But I do think that you can say that they have been persecuted for sure. the same shit, you know, for not yeah. looking the same way or being... Being, of a different descent being other in some way and and even when you know when when the jews got to america 
a lot of them were treated like shit. Yeah. You know, they weren't allowed in certain country clubs and shit like that. You know, there was for sure. You know, they were they were kept out of well, places to and a lot of there's like an old boy Christian notion of like Jews kill Jesus. Well, the look, Jews, I mean, it's the Jews that kill Jesus. Yeah. So fuck, you know, and it's just like, whoa, like, I not, mean, it's not really yeah, how the dude. story goes. It wasn't that long ago. The Charlottesville thing went down and, and all those fucking crazy white people were chanting the Jews will not replace us. So yeah, which what the fuck did that even mean? I did not understand that at all. It's like, what? But what I do think about? that there can be. But that was insane. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely not the same thing that those two different races of people have sure. experienced but, but there persecution is some for sure. yeah there's a yeah. there's a through line there i think that where where people can relate and maybe i don't really know what the the history of of it is but i would imagine that like there were a lot of jewish people that were on the civil rights train and like fighting for those people because they understood it sure. in to some degree i don't sure. think it would be insensitive to say something like that no no and i think for me it was interesting i think i just never made that connection like the first time that idea was presented to me i was like well that seems kind of ridiculous and then i thought about it more and i was like well yeah i mean there is like you said like there's a lot of persecution like on the in terms of the whole population but then i think about like the individual experience and i'm like even then like depending on where you live you know, it could sort of be the same. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it's like to be Jewish in Flagstaff, Arizona. Maybe that's really fucking weird. You know, maybe you're yeah. like pretty other in like a small town city situation, like a small city, large town situation. If you're Jewish, maybe that's fucking weird. For sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we should uh, definitely get some insight on the on the Passover from I'll other get, people, it'd be I'll interesting. Get a, I think. I'll get a friend to leave a voicemail. I think maybe I can get one or two to do the same. So hopefully we can share those in some way, or you can send us an email, biblebudspdx at gmail.com, or hit us on the uh, the Instagram, at biblebuds. Um, yeah. you have anything else to wrap up on here? Before so. we tell the the fine folks, you know, all the all the links will be in the episode notes, so you can you can follow up with all all that, all that jazz. Until then, smoke, pray, love, bless up. For me, Passover Passover is kind of all about the seder. It's cer- it's certainly not about the the impending week that you don't get to eat bread that that nobody's stoked about at all but the seder the seder you kind of look forward to because it's a very you know meaningful symbolic dinner um uh and and your family comes over um which is always like really special um you you bust out the seder plate which is like this usually kind of this uh kind of nice china plate that that you dust off and it's got all these little compartments for all the the different parts of the 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 seder different parts of the story um there's like i don't i don't remember them all but there's like the lamb shank bone there's the bitter herb that you dip in in salt water um there's a hard-boiled egg um 
but yeah, yeah, you you go through this this very meaningful dinner that you you go through the story. Somebody passes out these little pamphlets because nobody remembers remembers the story entirely. Um, you pass out these tiny little pamphlets that walk you through everything. Kind of just go go through uh, the the story. Um, and along the way, get to, to snack on little things. Um, and it, as a kid, I was always super impatient. I knew matzo ball soup was like, in my future is coming, but you have to, to make it through the story first. Um, and and you're, you're, you're super hungry, but, but yeah, it's a, I always did enjoy on some level the, the level of, of symbology and, and meaning that every, every element of, of the Seder had. But, but then dinner comes, and I mean, the matzo ball soup is, is, is the first course and always, always kind of a prize. So you got to have a quality, quality matzo ball soup. Uh, with the light, fluffy, uh, cloud-like matzo balls that uh, that only only Grandma may seem to be able to make the the right way uh, or the best way, um, and then simis uh, simis uh, uh, is like a, a braised brisket dish um, stewed in, in like citrus and dried fruit. Um, always looked forward to the simis. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's the charoset, and all the all the Jews out there will know what's up with the charoset. Charoset's like this apple and walnut slaw that's uh, sweetened by by red wine, specifically manischewitz. Um, it's also got like tons of cinnamon and brown sugar. Sometimes it's also got like some dried fruit, like some raisins thrown in there. Um, but yeah, that was. That, those things, uh, I guess, are, are probably the things that stand out most. But, but just you know, being around your family, even you know, my family wasn't like super devout Jewish or anything. We kind of just like went through the motions of the seder. And, and sometimes, like later in the week, we'd have non-Jews over to like you know, and we'd like put on another seder show for them, you know, just to to show them what was up. Um, but, but the first Seder, the family Seder, is always the, the most important. And it's the one that, you know, you look forward to, even though you know that uh, the, the following week you don't get to eat bread at all. Um, you're just stuck with a, a very tasteless cracker uh, that, that nobody is happy about. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's Passover. Passover to me, I think my greatest memories um, is... Uh, going out to my uh, cousin's house, aunt and uncle's in New Jersey, and uh, going to the children's service um, at the at my aunt's synagogue that she worked at, who's the accountant there, and uh, um, uh, you, the rabbi had this, uh, this uh, like, puppet animal named Bagel, and Bagel would be part of the service, and I kind of remember that, and then we'd uh, go back and We'd have a big Seder with the whole family, and we used the children's Haggadah, and we still use the children's Haggadah today. And uh, me, my dad, and my cousin would all make up, like, stupid songs and, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, do, the, do the Seder. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would, I would always do the, uh, uh, the Seder in the voice of Michael Caine. <laughs> and it was... Uh, it's, it was really funny, you know, really good memories, and uh, I, I don't think I've laughed so hard in my life being with my family doing Passover. 
Um, and uh, let me tell you, our uh, our services before dinner were really short, and because uh, we wanted to get uh, to the eating, because that's the most important part. <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my memories of Passover in, in New Jersey with my family. So I wasn't really that religious growing up, but you always celebrate Passover for sure. Uh, always really good matzo ball soup, and because I was one of the youngest, I always had to say prayers, which I didn't love doing. Uh, and then recently, I had a, a co-worker who hosted me for her Passover at her house with a bunch of adults, um, and there were some older single individuals that I was definitely expressing some interest in, uh, and then of course, as the meal was being served, and they had to say the prayers, uh, they go around the table and say, well, who's the youngest, who's going to start, so that was that for me. Well, Passover, um, and I guess where I would start is where I guess my family and I have been with Judaism for me growing up. Um, we always went to um, a fairly orthodox synagogue with like men and women on, on different sides um, during all the prayers, um, which was always normal for me growing up. Um, and then my dad started uh, caring, I think, less about that divisiveness. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, that division. And so we started going more towards uh, reform on my dad's side. My mom's side, I think she was more into it for the tradition. Um, and so she's always gone to the more orthodox uh, Chabad synagogues. Um, but Passover growing up was always just about bringing the family together, and I think that was fairly common for just about all of the Jewish holidays. Um, and of course, we like went through the the typical playbooks and sang the the songs for each of the holidays and Passover included, with the Seder plate and going through the plagues and everything. Um, but it was all just about getting the family together. Um, my dad was always pretty strong about like Friday nights are at home. Um, you can invite whoever you want over, um, but dinner at home and then you can go and do your thing uh, for Shabbat. Um, so yeah, it's just all about um, bringing the family together, but also inclusiveness of, of everyone. Um, we were always encouraged to bring friends over, regardless of if they were Jewish or not. Um, to Passover and to all the holidays to Shabbat um, and I don't know if part of that was like show people that don't have uh, so much exposure to Judaism like what it's all about um, that may have been part of it but I think a bigger part was just um, all about inclusivity um, and again going back to bringing every, everyone together and family together um, for just like a nice evening. Um, but there's always, always wine, always laughs, always really a good time. Um, some of the holidays have much longer um, prayers or series of prayers than others. Uh, so sometimes we would do a little bit longer, but as we got older, they definitely got a little bit shorter. Um, my dad would always give 
a little speech in English beforehand to just kind of explain what, what was going on, uh, explain the stories, um, and then just kind of want to speed through the prayers so everyone can eat and continue drinking. Um, my mom, the last couple of years, has taken it a little bit differently. Um, I think three or four years ago, um, she started doing themed Passovers. So the first one was uh, the Rocky Horror Passover Show, um, which I'd never heard of before, themed Passovers, but like, okay, my mom's a little crazy, so we'll get into it. Um, so she said, invite whoever you want. Um, actually brought uh, a couple guys from, from the house, uh, a couple younger guys, Keegan, Andy Bolter, and EJ over. Um, and when we got there, my mom had Rocky Horror Picture Show playing in the background um, behind the table, on the dinner table, and had costumes and masks for everyone. Um, and everyone got pretty drunk that night. Um, had just a great time. Uh, the next year was, the, uh, the theme was the Darth Seder. Um, and again, she said, just invite whoever you want. Um, brought a couple of guys in the house as, as well. Um, and yeah, we have same as before. She had all the masks and uh, the wine was definitely flowing. Everyone just having a good time. Um, and of course we went through the Seder played and, um, but kind of made it a little bit more of a fun atmosphere because everyone was in costume. Um, I obviously sent you that photo with uh, with the mask and me pouring wine, um, but everyone had lightsabers and it was just, uh, <laughs> just a fun atmosphere. Um, and I think there's, there's obviously merits to both, but the general theme to both my dad's side and my mom's side um, always goes back to just bringing the family and friends and everyone together uh, to have just a good time and also keep the tradition alive at the same time. Um, definitely make sure that we're remembering like why the holiday exists and um, kind of what that all means to Judaism and um, coming out of Egypt and uh, all, the, all those stories.